Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore stories on assisted reproductive technology changing lives in our world. It allows people to become parents who never thought it was possible in ways that they never thought were possible. We are here to tell those stories that go beyond technology and about real lives and real people and how they are touched and their lives are changed every day. And today's story actually doesn't have much to do with technology, which I mean, I, I guess kind of no no not even kind of in the category as long as you consider a turkey baster technology (laughs) right right so no but before before we go talk to talk to hannah i how do you how do you feel about new year's resolutions now that we're slightly into the new year Oh, yeah. Great question, because I have a good one. It's super unique. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I think I'm going to try to exercise and lose weight. What do you, That no? is okay. really, really <laughs> unique and different from everybody else. Oh, God. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, resolutions, you know, shouldn't you just like, if you want to do that stuff, you should just do it when you want to do it, Right. Right. No, I I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things in life. Every every day is a, is a fresh start for every single person. Do you, so. do you have a resolution for yourself? Um, no. I mean, I always set yearly goals, but I mean, like the year of being super nice to your sister. I do that every year, uh, and I fail every year, every, every day. Year. <laughs> I fail every year. <laughs> Why try again? Because more, I failed last more year. <laughs> gratitude to your family. Yeah. No, I'm kindness. always grateful for my family. I try to be kind to everybody I meet. Come on now, please. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. I, I tend to not actually set real resolutions. That's why I, that's why I asked is how you feel about them because I don't tend to set them. So, um, but anyway, we are going to talk to somebody who has so much love in their life. And I think that she has such an incredible and unique story and um, just family is is huge and key and instrumental to her in her life. So I, I can't wait to share her story. We're here today with Hannah Sawinski. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So we are so excited to talk to you about kind of your life story in a way, but your conception story and your family, because it is in many ways unique, as you know. Um, Do you want to start kind of with your conception, which (laughs) obviously is not not firsthand knowledge, right? (laughs) From what you've been told, tell us a little bit about your family and how you came to be. Um, Well, there's like where babies came from and I guess where I came from are really different things. (laughs) Not really, but but kind of unique at least, right? Not in our book, but we get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So my original parents are both moms and they kind of set out on this journey to have a baby in the late 80s, which... You know, I don't know the history of it, but I don't think it was very common at that time. And they tried lots of different ways to get pregnant, um, anonymous donors, fertility clinics. And then at some point, a friend of theirs said, I know this guy who would probably be your donor and um, 
would just be willing to do it to help you guys out. And that's how they got connected to my dad. So they didn't know him before that he was like a friend of a friend. It sounds like. Yes. And I actually learned this weekend that they never met in person until I met my dad. So this all kind of happened indirectly. Yeah. So like there was a third party delivery of the the goods. Yes. So it's pretty (laughs) funny actually, because I asked all my parents this story and they all had different versions of uh, <laughs> Okay, what's the best version of it? Or the funniest yeah. version of it? Um, <laughs> Put them together. So, um, like you said, a friend of a friend uh, connected them to my dad. And when I asked him about it, he said it just seemed like an interesting thing to do. And I think they sort of set up like uh, this passing in the hallway sort of exchange where he would leave the sample, I guess, in his apartment. And then my mom would go there while he was gone at work or somewhere else during the day. Wow. (laughs) So an absolute true kind of, I mean, to be as crass as possible, like turkey baster kind of situation. Uh, Yes. Um, I called myself a turkey baster baby once, and one of my moms was really adamant that I wasn't a turkey baster oh, baby. Oh, okay. Really? I should not have used that term then. But, oh. but, you know, it depends on the day, I think, when when that's funny or offensive. But I I don't mind the term personally. I think it's kind of funny. Wow. Um, but we did. So being a lawyer, I have to ask this, but they did enter into an agreement before this exchange. Yes. And um, my dad was really, the way he describes it, was like really sort of adamant that everybody's rights be protected and that he didn't plan on interfering in my mom's parenthood at all and didn't really want to have any rights to me and also wanted to sort of let them have their own life and that he also wouldn't have responsibility coming back to him. This was sort of the extent of his involvement. Um, Did he, did he have other kids or did he do this before or again? No, I'm, I'm his only uh, offspring. Um, And when I've talked to him about it over the years, he sort of explained that he didn't really think about the consequences of being a donor in the sense that it Mm. would create a person and Mm. that person would ask questions (laughs) about them. And um, he actually has said that he would caution men who want to be donors because there really are people at the end of this and they have rights and they wonder about where they came from and that, that whether you ever meet them or not, you sort of have this responsibility to them in helping create them. So he, you know, the stories about men having 50, a hundred genetic offspring that that's, that's like kind of a serious thing to be a part of. Um, so I think he's, I think he's kind of nostalgic that he didn't have the experience of being a dad in terms of raising kids from the very beginning. Um, and Nick has expressed like, Oh, I wish I had that 
like maybe I could have had two or three kids and that would have been really fun. But um, I think he's glad that he didn't donate to a lot of people and have more people like me kind of coming and finding him. <laughs> wondering about him. So, so what did, I guess, what did happen? I think we kind of have skipped ahead a little bit now that you're, you're talking about what's happened now. So, so however many times it took, they did, did the the swapsies of what they needed to, but I, obviously they became your, your mom became pregnant with you. Yes. Um, and so yeah, she got pregnant and, um, I was born And when I, I actually started school really young, like a preschool type thing. And I think at that point is when I started to recognize that other kids had different families than me. Um, And the way it's been told to me is that I sort of came home and was like, everybody at school has a dad. So what's up with that? And where's my dad? (laughs) <laughs> and who is he? And where is he? And, and I, were, they pre- I, were they prepared for this or they're like, oh, no. <laughs> I think that they were okay with me asking questions. I don't think it was a dreaded thing or anything they tried to hide from me. The sense I got is that they sort of rolled with me being inquisitive and reached out to their friend who reached out. And eventually it got to my dad that this little girl wanted to meet him. And he was, I think, all about it at that point. Wow. Willing. That's awesome. So so you actually met him then? I did. Yeah. So obviously, since you talked about the you in the present tense you talked yeah, about him, I mean, I yeah, guess that that I talked not to spoil the surprise or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I could have kept a bit more of a cliffhanger there, but that's all right. Um, yeah, so I think shortly after I started asking about him, we, you know, they coordinated a get together and it was up, um, up in the mountains in Colorado. We just sort of from the pictures walked around the woods and, um, you know, just were all together in a space for the first time. And from there, my dad sort of slowly started getting integrated into our family structure that he started coming to school events and little things that were part of my life. Um, My naming ceremony, being Jewish, I had a naming ceremony probably when I was three or four and my dad was part of that. He came. And your your moms were cool with it. They weren't like, you're interfering. They're just like, the more the merrier. Yeah, I guess so. And I asked them, you know, after you invited me on the, on the podcast, I went and asked them about their experience. And from what they said, it was just sort of happened really easily. And um. they really willingly started including him and he really willingly started showing up. Wow. And that was when you said it was you're in preschool when you first asked about him. So pretty much your earliest memories, he's, he's always been there. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And what do you, what did you call everyone? Was he, was he dad <laughs> or by his name when you were little? 
Um, I called him dad and I think he wasn't really sure about what his role was that he didn't see himself as a dad and dads did very different things and had really different involvement from what he had. Um, but he was like the only concept of dad I really had. And, um, he, I had this really cute nickname for a friend of his, like they were always together, him and one of his friends. And I sort of combined their names. Uh Um, I thought they were like a unit. So I called them Macanita. (laughs) What were their names? Um, Mac and Anita. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like mac and cheese. It's fun. Mac and yeah, mac and, or, or mac and Anita coming to this <laughs> thing. So um, I always saw him as a dad, and he, for a while, called himself Uncle Dad, that he saw his role more as an uncle to me. And um, I think I just persisted in calling him Dad. And these days he affectionately refers to himself as Fage. Um, so he's the, he's Fage. What's that? What is Fage? Fage, like F-A-J, like father. I'm, I'm not really sure where it. Oh, wow. okay. From, okay. Fage. Okay. Fage. That's cool. <laughs> so, so you grew up with this, so your young years are filled with a structure of three. Yeah. And my dad parents, was adjacent, like, he came to all the big things and I think I would go spend the night at his house or he would babysit while my mom did things. So he was, yeah, he was part of it. And I think I, you know, from hearing stories, I think I might've been kind of disappointed that he wasn't around more that I wished, I wished for more of him in my life, but he was definitely always there. Interesting. So, you know, I I hate to spoiler alert and move things, but I mean, (laughs) you know, keep, let's move forward a a little bit as to. So you, yeah. So you have three parents. Was that enough? Did you need more? (laughs) (laughs) I need all, all the parents. All the parents. So so I think like one, one important detail about just me as a person is that I, struggled as a kid, just like being in my body. And I was kind of off the walls and had a lot of energy. And, um, that definitely affected me like socially and in school. Um, and that, that kind of comes into play later. But, um, when I was in elementary school, having two moms seemed like a non-issue to me. It didn't seem like something I ever had to tell people, or qualify. Um, Did, would they have like Father's Day things, but your dad would just show up? Is that kind of, yeah, yeah, he would come to things. That's great. Um, he came to like a world's fair at my school and we have this really great picture together. And from that day, actually, I haven't thought about that in a while, but, um, when I, when I went to middle school, I guess you're like nine or 10 when you transition out of fifth grade. So I was probably 10. And around that time, my mom separated. And all of a sudden, 
I was also, I was transitioning into middle school. I suddenly had divorced parents and I was sort of felt like the weird kid already for, you know, having just being me. Um, so I go to middle school and I, middle school is so hard anyway. It's the worst. Middle school is impossible. Yeah. Like I Nobody could pay me enough money to go back to middle school. Um, But I transitioned into middle school and I'm suddenly really aware of how different I am and how different my family is. And I felt really concerned about how I was going to fit in. And I went to middle school with this reputation from elementary school that didn't really help me make friends. And remember just being desperate to find a place and being open about having two moms didn't feel like it was gonna help me fit in and kids having a two-parent like family separated family is not foreign to middle schoolers but the questions were are you at your mom's house or your dad's house tonight and I never knew how to answer that because I didn't, I was always at my mom's house. And if I said that, then I'd have to explain why I had two mom's houses. And I spent a lot of energy coming up with ways to explain myself out of it so that I didn't have to. What would you, what would you say? Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't even, I'm not sure I want to repeat my, oh. my, uh, lies, I guess. Oh, um, yeah. gosh, I think, We're- I think like, you know, my dad lived in Denver and I think I tried to explain that he worked in Denver, but he lived with us on the weekends in Boulder, which was not quite true, but he's, came to see us on the weekends. So that yeah, almost so was kinda. possible and um, things like that. Just trying to sort of create the illusion that I had a mom and a dad and everything was quote unquote normal when it really wasn't. Kind of Were kids that, were the kids that knew, were they unkind or would they make fun of you about uh, it? Uh, no, actually, absolutely not. And, for the friends that knew or had grown up with me, it was never an issue that it never came up. There was never a question about it. They knew my moms. They called them by name. Yeah. Um, but definitely the fear of being uh, made fun of or bullied sure. for was a driving force for me. Wow. Yeah. So what happened? Um, Okay, so (laughs) that was middle school. And over time, I think Judy found a partner. And her first partner after they separated really didn't like kids and didn't plan to have kids, didn't want to hang out with kids. And so... Can I... 
Can I actually ask, did it make a difference your who your biological, like who carried you versus your other mom? Was there ever any distinction of like the kind of fear about a real mom or a distinct distinguishing somehow? Did that ever, was that, did that ever come into play? Not for me. No, I think I saw them equally as moms. And what's been really great as I've grown up is that my mom served really different roles in my life. Like I think any parent, like parent pair would that you have different relationships with them and I call them for different things. So they both filled the spot that they were supposed to fill for me. And, um, I, you know, when they were separated, it was really, really hard because, moving houses was terrible. And, but I wanted to split my time evenly. It was so important to me not to pick one house because it felt like I was. And were you doing that every two weeks? Oh yeah. We tried everything. We tried a week on a week off. We tried one, one, three. We tried two, two, threes. Like, Every iteration of alternating days, we've tried it. Um, And, you know, any kid who moves houses knows you have to pack your clothes and you have to have everything for the whole week. And your favorite outfit might be at the other house. So that was, I I wouldn't wish that on on any kid, but... um, yeah, we tried lots of different versions of switching and I think finally figured out switching during the weekends was terrible um, and yeah. found something that worked alternating weekends and moving only once during the week. Yeah. Um, so one of your mom started dating yes. and that person did not like children. No. <laughs> she, yeah. So my mom was trying to balance being a mom and having a daughter and fostering that relationship, but also finding a partner and how to fought, like create that kind of connection simultaneously. And I think that was really hard on her because they're both really demanding types of relationships. And when it, it's not cohesive, you're just struggling to satisfy everybody um, at the same time. So they were together five or so years. Um, and then since then she's found a partner who's really, really wonderful and was a teacher and loves kids and immediately knew that if she was with my mom, that I was part of the package. Um, so I've gotten to form this really great relationship with her as well and unique kind of connection. So I have another mom to call when I have specific <laughs> questions about specific things. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I have bonus mom. So now you have bonus, you have another bonus mom <laughs> and, now. So excellent. <laughs> uh, my other mom, Lauren, she met her partner through me going to Girl Scout camp. Um, oh, I, you're, you're like besties. Yeah, camp, hopefully. <laughs> I, I you know I went to Girl Scout camp 
every summer. I think it was their way to get me out of the house and they owned a business together. So they needed me kind of um, busy during the summer. So Girl Scout camp was this amazing place where I felt unlike middle school, like I could be totally myself and not be ashamed of my family and not be ashamed of who I was. I was not the weird kid at at Girl Scout camp. And, um, one of the camps I met, went to, I met another girl and we actually did not get along at all. Uh, my recollection is that we just fought the whole time we were there. And at the camp reunion in the winter, we both showed up and, um, it was ice skating. So we're out ice skating and I'm looking out the window at our mom's talking. And that was sort of the beginning of their relationship. You were like, don't, don't talk to her <laughs> mom. Talk to, talk to someone else's mom. Anybody else's mom. Anybody else's. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. That's probably, you know, that's probably how it went. Um, and um, after that, I think we, they lived up in the mountains in Breckenridge and we went up there a few times and I went skiing and they spent time together and eventually they moved down to Boulder to live with us. So I suddenly had basically a same age stepsister and another mom in, in my life. Wow. Wow. Second so just mom. just to keep just to keep count, how many parents do you have at this point? Uh, f- five. <clears throat> and wow. I mean, and I actually would like to go back and just note one of the things that I think both times we've talked to you, we kind of glossed over the fact that your moms still own a business together. Yes. So like they still have a really good relationship with each other, even through all of this, like that they have to have at least some level of working relationship where they get along. Yeah. Yeah. They started a company together when I was five and it's still, they're still in business. They're still co-owners. Um, you know, what am I? 29. So 18, 19 years later after they separated and yeah, it really is amazing. So, so do you guys like, so since they obviously have this relationship together and everybody seems to mostly get along, do you, do you all get together? Yeah, we all get together a lot. We had, so the collective name for everybody now is the village. And (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I heard it. I heard it takes one. Yeah. And it took one to raise me because I, if there was only one of them, I'm not sure I would have survived my own childhood just. (laughs) Um, because I'm not sure one person could tolerate all of me so it was helpful that they they kind of divided and (laughs) conquered Um, but yeah so and all five parents are still in your life they're they continue to be yes everybody was here in Utah for Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago and um can I say people's names? I've been like vague, but okay. okay. Yeah, no, no you're welcome. So Michaela, my stepsister, she came um, with her husband and her baby and Betty and Lauren came. Judy and Terry were here. My dad came 
a week early to help us get ready for Thanksgiving and sort of helped us host. And we all, every, almost everybody stayed in our house. Um, for the visit, there were nine adults and a baby and we all spent the whole weekend together. They visited me as a village when I studied abroad in Australia They've come to all my graduations. It's, yeah, it's really sort of a united force in terms of being in my life and being willing to do things together. So do you long for your dad to to have a partner or a spouse and to have a sixth parent? I did as a As a young kid, I really, I had this fantasy of him marrying a woman and that I would sort of have the typical family structure in some version. And I remember coming to the realization that he was gay a lot later in my life than it probably should have taken me. And I think I had to kind of mourn that fantasy a little bit that I wasn't going to have the mom and a dad structure in, in any of my branches. And, you know, obviously that hasn't been a problem for me at all, but um, it was on my mind. And my dad, I think he may have had, a partner when I was really young that I didn't know well and was never seemed a part of the structure to me. And since then, in my knowledge, hasn't had a partner. So he's kind of the, I don't know, he's, I don't don't know how to describe (laughs) that, but he gets to be the one Right. Yeah. He gets to be the one dad. That's, yeah. that's what, you know, he's this special. <laughs> that's awesome. So you, you've obviously, you know, grown up, you said you graduated from college. Also, yeah. I'm married. I've been married for you, three you're, years. You're married now. You have family of your own. And together with Alex for six years. And because that's vague, we'll just ask the question, is Alex a... (laughs) Yeah, Alex is a man. (laughs) So I have, yeah, I'm married to a man. And how does he feel about all this? Really cool with it. And he has been from the beginning. And I, um, you know, the kind of cheesy part of our story is that the first time I ever saw Alex, I knew I was going to marry him. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't tell him that until we got engaged because it would have, it would have been <laughs> creep, creepy before that. Creep him out. Um, but when we first really started spending time together, I felt like it was really important that he knew about my family because I had spent so long in my life trying to hide it that I couldn't I was at a point in my life where whoever loved me had to love me for all of me. And that's such a big part of my life that I wouldn't, you just have to be part of it or it wouldn't work. 
And one of the earliest times we spent just the two of us, he asked me about my family and I pulled out, uh, we were at a restaurant in Breckenridge and I drew this diagram on a napkin, kind of a, well, buckle up because wow. here's <laughs> the whole story. Yeah. And drew all the branches that branched again and how everybody <laughs> was connected and how I came to be. And he rolled with it. He said, okay, that's cool. Wow. And asked questions and clarified how everybody was tied together. Um, and then when we started dating, he met everybody. I wasn't really shy about introducing him to them and um, they embraced him. It's, it feels like they were welcoming and he was ready to meet everyone and be part of it. That's amazing. Join the village, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Join did the his family, I mean, it, it, did his family, he has a very different family structure, right? So how did yeah. they, they feel? He has the mom and a dad family, um, parents who have been married for 30 plus years. They have three kids. Alex has two older sisters um, who are both married to men. Um, and they, I think early on, he explained to them about my family. I'm not sure if it was before our first visit to them together if he kind of prepped them, yeah. um, not to say anything horrible or, <laughs> yeah. um, to just to be prepared. Um, but I think they yeah. were, what I remember is they were equally interested in hearing about my family and, and totally accepting and welcomed me with open arms. That's the great. whole family came to the airport to pick us up. His, sister and her baby wow. and mom and dad all piled into a a big SUV and um I think we were probably together maybe four months at that point and here's this family you know just welcoming oh, wow. me with open arms which was really wonderful that's fantastic that's incredible did, did you ever face any instances through your life where you felt ostracized for that or, or at least, per, I mean, beyond just the general, like generalized angst of middle school, but, but anything where a situation where somebody kind of either badgered you about it or made you feel outside of what was acceptably different? Yeah. So, um, I wanted to tell you about, about college because, in college, that was when I decided I was over trying to be something else for people or hiding who my family was. That's an awesome and, thing about college is you can do that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A much bigger social circle of, you know, people to choose from. And um, I was, the first time I was really, really open with people, I was, I joined women's hockey in college. <laughs> And we were playing the game Never Have I Ever, which, do you guys know what that is? Yep. Okay, well, so you... <laughs> but do you want to explain it? Just you kind of, you hold up all your fingers and you say, never have I ever done this. And anybody who's done that thing has to put their finger down. Um, so 
I'm not sure if the goal is to put more fingers down. I don't know. It's just fun. <laughs> but <laughs> Who knows what the goal is? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just a game. Um, but we were playing that game and I thought, okay, this, I'm going to get everybody to put their fingers down. And I said, never have I ever had straight parents. And this silence swept over the circle. <laughs> and, and finally someone said, what? And I said, wow. I've never had straight parents. Everybody better put their <laughs> fingers down. And it, it kind of turned into this, everybody was really excited and interested and I sort of had this feeling of it's out there and I, you know, I got through this moment of sharing it with my peer group and it mostly resulted in joy and people being really excited to know about me. And um, I wasn't ostracized at all more. I felt closer to everybody after that. Um. But there were two two really specific instances stand out in my mind in terms of people sort of indirectly, um, I don't know if it's criticizing necessarily, just sort of expressing their ignorance about kids with gay parents. Um, there was, I took a summer college course during high school and one of the girls in my class um, was talking about how kids with gay parents would definitely be gay. And I was so interested in that concept because I didn't, I wasn't. And it just struck me as really uninformed and sort of, you know, I don't know that people necessarily always recognize that there's so many different types of parentage and that they're unknowingly interacting with all sorts of people in their day. Um, so at, that was actually during high school, and I wasn't comfortable at that point sort of speaking up and saying, hey, actually, that's not true, and actually, I have gay parents. Um, but I remember walking away from that sort of thinking about how naive, you know, just people can be about my kind of family. And in college, one of my best friends who I spent most of my time with, I'm not exactly sure how we started talking about it, but for, I'd say a good two hours, I really egged him on on saying all sorts of things about how, you know, this all came from him, but I definitely asked for it, I guess, but how, how kids with gay parents mm -hmm. wouldn't know how to make friends and they wouldn't know how to be in relationships and that they would essentially be sort of socially inept and not really know how to operate in the world because they didn't have a mom and a dad at home. Yeah. And I, I think he hadn't known you that long. <laughs> yeah. No, he hadn't known me that long and he hadn't, he didn't know that about me. I wasn't probably out about it at that point. Um, and at the end of the night, I went back to my room and I called my boyfriend at the time and I was really upset. And he said, did you tell him? And I said, no. And he said, you've got to tell him. <sighs> um... And 
I, I went downstairs to his dorm and knocked on the door and I mm. said, I know that we had this conversation and I just think you should know that I have two moms. Wow. What had you been saying the whole conversation? You're just like letting him talk about it just without interrupting. Yeah. A lot of mostly questions Mm -hmm. and sort of slowly getting really irritable. Uh, Uh, I remember him saying things like, you're getting really heated about this. uh, Without you explaining why. And so when you you told him, how did he react? He was stunned. Um, If you can imagine the ultimate foot and mouth (laughs) moment. Yeah, that was it. And he apologized and gave me a hug and we, we stayed friends. Um, and I think he warned all of our other friends (laughs) not to say anything about having gay parents, um, as a cautionary tale. Don't, don't bring this up with him because (laughs) she's got two moms. Mm, Right. Um, by kind of a funny coincidence, uh, in high school, did you know anyone else that was kind of donor conceived or the different family structure? Um, I did really early in life. So in those preschool years, when I was asking about my dad, I had a peer, um, Ryan Kramer went to my, my element or my, actually we went to kindergarten and elementary school together and, um, he was donor conceived in a very different way. Um, but him and his mom started the donor sibling registry and he found, I think he was one of the first people to find his dad through, um, searching the donor number. Um, and so I remember kind of having another donor kid that I was friends with and, always feeling really welcomed at his house and oh that's nice um, that's kind of fun to have like a buddy that yeah I had we had really different stories you know I knew my dad yeah um but it is kind of a a connecting point to have that experience of wondering where you come from right um and I follow the DSR and on Facebook and sort of keep up with what they're doing because I feel like even though I was made in a different way in terms of it wasn't anonymous and um, I didn't have to register to find my dad, that that still feels like a community to me of other people trying to start families with with donors. Yeah. And for those that don't know, the donor sibling registry is pretty, it's pretty famous. And I know Ryan and Wendy have gone on, I don't I don't know about Oprah, but definitely like some of the big talk shows and good morning America and to kind of talk about the donor sibling registry. And I don't know the latest count, but I think it's over 50,000 um, persons have found their donor conceived relatives. It's, it's just awesome. I think, yeah. Yeah. Such a small world. That so in such a small community. Kids. I mean, we grew up in Netherland, which nobody lives in Netherland. Not a lot, you know, not a lot of people, not a lot of people live up there. And um, for a small community to have a couple kids that were donor conceived. Yeah. 
Now all the people in Netherland are going to be really mad that I said nobody lives in Netherlands. Ah! <laughs> no, no, everyone in Netherlands, you know, shout out to you. Don't, don't, don't you guys have a fun festival? Isn't that where the... The, fr- the Frozen Dead Guy there. days is up there. Yeah. The Frozen Dead Guy, yeah. I've never honestly right. been or visited the Frozen Dead Guy, but it is sort of a wow. cultural... <laughs> marker for right. up there. I feel like we ne- we're going to need to link to that in like the podcast notes so. yeah as well as the picture of your do you have your napkin of like drawing I can your e- I'll easily I'll can, recreate it I can I'm recreate it love it love it <laughs> and then like in your stick people like make the look on your your boyfriend's face like oh, oh wow that's awesome I so yeah. Do you feel like there's any like thing lessons to be learned, like people to to tell, like that you're you know you're normal, you're <laughs> made fine, it, kids, like it's it's cool to have. Yeah, right. the kids are all right. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, I felt alone growing up with two moms in the sense that I didn't know a lot of kids like me, and I actually you know, over time have connected with other um, same-sex couples that are having kids. And when they hear that I have two moms, it's sort of gives them hope that their kids can grow up and be part of the community and get married and live their lives any way they want. And I think that's any parent's dream is just that their kids will be happy Um, but you know, I had, oh, I have one more story to tell you that I absolutely. So when I finished college, I moved back to Colorado and I joined the Denver women's hockey league and I tried out for the team and it was really nerve wracking. I've never had to actually try out before. Um, and I made I made the team and filled out my paperwork and came to practice for the first night. And after practice, my coach pulled me aside and she said, Hannah, I, I need to talk to you, you know, when you're done getting dressed. And Ooh. I'm thinking she made a mistake. I shouldn't be oh, yeah. on the team. This, you know, she's kicking me off because I'm not good enough. And I come out of the locker room and we're walking down the hallway of the ice rink. And she says, so I, I saw in your paperwork that you have two moms. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, oh my gosh, that's what this is about. I thought I was getting kicked right? off the team. And she's like, me and my partner, we just had a son and you know, I've just never met anybody who's older that has two moms and tell me about it. And um, it was just this really amazing moment where they, you know, she was seeing sort of like her son's future. Like you'll be a grown up someday with two moms and you're going to, you know, you're going to be okay. And she actually called me last year. And her son's about seven or eight now. And she called and said he went to school and somebody asked him if he had two moms and he lied and said that one of us was his aunt. And he came home and was so ashamed about what he did. Um, But he was getting 
bullied for it. And I, it really took me back to those years where I was trying to make up stories about how to explain my family to people in a way that seemed sort of heteronormative. And um, yeah, I just... Did you have advice? To be really compassionate with him and that, you know, I told her that I did the same thing. And I think, I hope that was helpful for her to hear because it wasn't just her son trying to figure it out. Um, But to... I don't know. I wonder if she remembers what I said, but I think yeah. I think I just reminded her to be open to hearing what that's like for him and supporting him in whatever way. Like, you know, we're comfortable with who we are as your moms and um how to navigate that. I feel like as a kid with I feel like as a kid with gay parents that I had to do my own coming out. That was a real experience for me. That's an interesting way to say that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put it in words that way, but you're, I think that's right. You do have to come out in your own way. Yeah. So I was not out in middle school and high school and then came out in college in this way. And I remember going to an event at my school in college. And it was sort of like this coming out story night. And I got up on the stage and told the story of my family to this, you know, room of strangers. And I think that was part of my process too, is being, learning to be open and learning to be okay um, with it. Hannah, having this family structure and everything you've been through, do you feel like you are a champion for the LGBT community or did you feel that way growing up that you you were? That's a really good question. I think much more now than I was in the past, but I'm still kind of navigating how to be. Um, I feel like in when I was younger and definitely in high school, I felt too much part of the cause and that I couldn't be a champion for the cause, but rather needed one for myself. I feel very much a part of the community. Like I, I know that sexuality wise that I am straight, but the gay community, the LGBT community feels like my community Um, so I've been trying to figure out how to identify, like, am I culturally gay? (laughs) Am I, (laughs) uh, you know, I kind of joke around with my friends about being a culturally a lesbian, but I don't know how else to put it because it feels like those are my people that that's who I'm a part of. I'm more a part of that group than the group that I appear to be part of from the outside being married to a man. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, really important to me to be, to identify as that, but there's not really a word for it. I'm not an ally. I mean, I am an ally, but yeah. that doesn't capture 
you're so much more. The truth. I, yeah, exactly. I am of I am of the community. I'm of the LGBT community. I love somehow. that. I love that idea that you're you're culturally gay. Like, culturally <laughs> Thank gay. you. I do love that. I, I have to say you have no idea how much we appreciate how open you have been and how willing you've been to share this with us. Uh, I I know it will help a, a lot of people, you know, because there are so many other people who are anything with assisted reproductive technology is such a a new and uncharted territory, and and every every new story, every new way is is incredible and inspiring to all of us. So it, we really really appreciate that you came on and shared your story with us. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much lesson of the day. Uh, I think the great thing about Hannah's story is really knowing that the, yes, like the kids are all right. Like your, your child's going to be fine. Like all kinds of families are formed and, you know, as long as there's love and support, kids turn out, kids turn out great and have great lives. I think another thing to learn from Hannah's story is that, yeah, it can, it can be hard though to be different. And I think it's helpful to, to reach out and look for, for others who can make so make your child feel less alone and to have resources to support them. But, but I really appreciate Hannah sharing her story. And so it, it gives me a lot of hope for, for our the people that these, that we work with and their families that, you know, your, your kid's going to be fine and so lucky and so loved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing is that it's absolute pure love that she was brought into this world with love and was continually loved by everybody that she has run across. So I, I think it's fantastic. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling mushy towards family right now. (laughs) (laughs) So much love. (laughs) Um, But if you want to show us some love or give us some calls, you can call us at 303-997-1903 or, or show us the love on, of course, iTunes, or uh, I think you can do it a little bit on SoundCloud, which is where a lot of people find us. Uh, we are always happy to hear from you and really do love the feedback. And even if there's somebody that you think, oh, I would really love to hear from this specific person, give us a call. Let us know. We'll see if we can track that down. We, we, so There may be people out there that you know who have incredible stories that need to be shared, and we just don't know them yet. And we're, we're always happy to try to reach out and find them. So please uh, give us a call or send us an email, and we we're, can't wait to hear from you. 